to season two of Inside My Canoe Head, a podcast about individual emergency preparedness, living through a pandemic, reinventing yourself, and chasing adventure. My name is Jeff. Thanks for joining us today, and let's get to it. All right, before we get into the content for this week, I wanted to shout out to all of you incredible listeners out there, and thank you very much for all of the support this week. Inside My Canoe Head had its thousands download it was from an individual in stonecrest georgia so whomever you are thank you very much and to all the people over the little over past year that this podcast has existed that has downloaded listened to commented on recommended viled yelled at or otherwise participated in a discussion format with me over some topic i greatly appreciate it this mission of mine is to help individuals free of charge increase their individual emergency preparedness, get them ready for this world that's going to be full of incredible disruptions. But each and every one of those disruptions are going to create an opportunity for growth and an opportunity to succeed and as well an opportunity to only have a lesser degree of impact when you become prepared. So today's episode is all about preparedness and the argument. It's about figuring out how to navigate information out there in the middle of our modern society that is dedicated to -to moment-to-moment news. Now, most of you probably aren't old enough, but if you are, you remember we used to all sit around decades ago to the six o'clock news and that's when we would find out what was going on we as a society would collectively know largely at the same time through the lens of a trusted individual and a trusted corporation to provide us with a set of facts and a bit of commentary about those facts on important events that occurred in the world now move yourself into the 21st century And now people are addicted to -to moment-to-moment news because so-and-so said something on Twitter. It now must be a fact, and therefore, I feel like I have been triggered and threatened. So I must lash out on my own Twitter feed to all my followers telling them what an egregious act has happened before I have even breathed long enough to consider whether the information provided by the other source was in fact correct is in fact corroborated by some other source or is in somehow backed up by something we really used to enjoy called evidence and facts. So that being said, we remember a time when we used to discuss facts and the implementation of the facts or what the facts meant. We would interrogate the response and the commentary on a set of facts But the facts were what they were. We didn't debate their existence. Now we live in a world where we disagree on whether something is a fact or not. And because we can't agree on what facts are, we can't even have the supplementary secondary discussion about what is the so what effect of those facts. How does that involve myself? How does it affect the society? How how does it contribute to the plus or minus in my life. So think about this. If we were going to play a game of baseball, the great American pastime, we were all going to get together and play this game of baseball, but none of us could agree on what the rules for baseball were. 
So we spent the entire time allotted to us for the field debating on what the appropriate set of rules would be and the time expired and we never actually got to play the game of baseball. That is an analogy for what is happening in today's world is that we spend all of our time debating on whether something is a fact and not about what that fact means and interrogate it and investigate it and discuss it and its implication, its effects and its nuances in today's society. We simply don't understand. Now, a fact by definition is something that has evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that it is true, that we have evidence to show that this is in fact true, something similar to the earth goes around the sun, okay? Or in today's climate change debate, the earth is warming. That is a fact. There isn't a human being who can deny the fact collectively on an aggregate scale. That doesn't mean individually around the world, but that means aggregately across the world, the earth is warming year over year. You can't argue. That's a fact. All the evidence we need is there. Now, we can discuss the reasons why, the contributing factors, the role of man, the role of carbon. We could go down a whole bunch of discussions, but the central fact that the earth is warming is a fact. It's different from an assumption. Now, a lot of times people will assume things. Now, we, we all joke about, you know, that thing, you know, when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. But the point being is that an assumption is taking something without evidence, but you're going to treat it as a fact until proven otherwise. That's what an assumption is. So I'm going to call this thing a fact. I don't know it for sure. I don't have the evidence, but I believe it to be true. And therefore, I'm going to call it a fact. It's actually not a fact. It's an assumption you're making or your opponent or somebody, your neighbor, your friend or family. And it's important to understand whether the individual you're having a discussion with about whatever the topic may be, or when you're sitting down watching your preparedness, famous prepper channels on YouTube that are telling you the sky is falling. If you've watched the last two weeks, almost every one of them have come out with some or multiple shows talking about how there is an pending massive supply chain crash and shortage coming. You know, and I have a professional designation, 20 plus years in supply chain. I did an episode, two episodes ago on the podcast to basically tell the world that no, that's not in fact true. It's not coming down. Everybody can just dial back the hate speech a little bit here. And we can all just remember that the system is fine. Now there are disruptions or always have been in the COVID-19 pandemic is causing additional disruptions in the supply chain, but it hasn't broken a single supply chain. It hasn't destroyed the ability of North America to feed itself, and it never will. There never will be a food shortage in North America. There may be a distribution and an inequity in access to food, but we will never be in a position Unless we go into another ice age, we will never be in a position where there is a shortage of food in North America. But if you were to watch YouTube and you watch the prepper channels, that's exactly what they're trying to tell you. So the reason I'm doing this episode is it's gotten to a point now where I'm thinking, 
I have to get my thoughts out to the world as to why this is ridiculous nonsense that people are saying. And some of these channels have fabulous episodes on some great information. But right now they've gone down the road of Y2K fear mongering. And those of you who are old enough will remember Y2K was when we were switching over from 1999 to the year 2000. And there were a number of notable individuals who made many millions of dollars advocating that the world was going to come crashing to an end. That when the two double digits in the date would go from 99 to 00, that computers would collapse and cease to work. That elevators would come crashing down. It got so bad and so many people fell into the fear mongering that we had entire militaries around the world. At the time I was a member of the military and it was one of the few times, September 11th being the most recent, that we were 100% stood to, that everybody in the military who could be was on duty for New Year's Eve because we were in preparation for Y2K. And of course, nothing happened. It blipped over. We watched uh, Australia and New Zealand have a great day and we realized, you know what, it was all for naught. But the point is, is I see the same level of fear-mongering on TV, on podcasts, on YouTube, and it's getting to the point where we have to understand and differentiate between the message of fear and the message of evidence. So when you look and listen to a piece of material that's put out by somebody, there's a couple of key facts that I'm going to recommend you understand. You want to deconstruct what they're saying. And remember, a lot of times with people that you listen to, it's more important what they don't say than what they do say. And I'll give you a prime example. Um, most of the North American mainstream media, which is why I don't pay any attention to it anymore, but most of it is Trump, bad, Biden, good. They don't come out and say that anymore. What they say is uh, U.S. president or the Biden administration is moving towards strengthening multilateral relations around the world as we come out of the COVID-19 pandemic to mend relationships with allies. That's a way of saying Trump ruined the world and we need to fix it. Remember, what people don't say is largely more important than what they do tell you. So look at what is absent from what somebody is telling you. You also have to understand who these people are in position. If an individual is fear-mongering and they are then therefore going to tell you to buy 15 items and you can buy them through affiliate links on their YouTube channel, I think you understand from that point forward what their messaging is about. Trust me, make me rich while you get prepared. That's an incredible. Now, there's somebody who's, I'm going to mark who's different from that. There's one in Canada named the Canadian Prepper. That individual does a fabulous job of laying it out. He codes his videos in different ways. And he has a fabulous shop from CanadianPreparedness.com, which I've bought a number of material before. He is advocating for preparedness. He's not advocating or believing that the world is coming to an end. But some and most of the others are saying that. So then you also have to understand their lens, the lens through which they look. And I'll give you a Canadian example for my Canadian listeners out there. Our prime minister right now is very very much like his father who was a prime minister before him. You either love him or you hate him. Uh, there's very few people who are indifferent on the current Canadian prime minister. Now, 
in Canada, we have something called the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. So the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation is a publicly funded to the tune of about a billion and a half dollars in support of public broadcasting across the country. We have a huge country, dispersed population, very difficult for a for-profit media to have offices and outlets in some far-flung places, which is the original premise of the CBC, to bring that at public expense, and it made sense. Now, they've morphed into a modern news channel with all of the bells and whistles and ad revenue and everything else like that. So the Canadian Opposition Conservative Party has said and has said for many years now that when they get into governing, they will slash the CBC's budget and put it back to what it was before. So now you have a Canadian broadcaster facing an existential threat to its very existence if the Conservative Party wins the next election. That is the lens through which they decide what articles are being reported. So, for example, they will say things, they will run articles like, on the verge of a majority, Trudeau plans, blah, blah, blah. They're setting the premise. They're putting the seed in people's belief that based upon their belief system, they need to ensure to consider their very future existence and employment, they must ensure at all costs that the current Canadian government remains in power, either majority or minority, but they must at all costs prevent the Conservative Party of Canada from getting a majority. So that's the lens through which the CBC does reporting, national level political reporting in Canada. If you understand that lens, then you understand why they choose the articles they choose and choose not to report other stories. It's just editorial choices that every news agency makes. They just do it a certain way. So you have to understand that. So when you understand those steps of the players that are involved, the lens that they use, and reading in what they don't say instead of what they say, you start to be able to deconstruct their position. And when you deconstruct the argument that's being presented to you, you're actually building a framework of what they really mean. So when you look at a prepper channel and they're talking about massive coming food shortages, they are unable to an individual to present to you any concrete evidence that has been peer reviewed to demonstrate that the point they're making is in fact true. What they do present to you is something that will garner more views, will garner more shares, more likes, more comments, and more subscription. What does that mean? That funnels ad revenue, ad revenue funnels their business. So when you're a YouTuber, and I have a YouTube channel, it's flailing, it's ridiculous, I haven't paid much attention to it, I'm fairly busy doing other things right now. But the point is you, you know, when you get monetized, I have eight subscribers. I think you get to a thousand subscribers, million views or something, and they offer to monetize you. But the point is, is there raison d'etre to be monetized or is there reason for existence to pass on individual emergency preparedness information to make your family more resilient and more secure? So it's understanding the lens. But I think the other part of society we live at 
is that we're often caught up in this and that we're all smart, intelligent people. And I mean that dead serious. And I'm not talking, it doesn't matter your education level. You have an experience of a human being on this earth. You have thoughts, beliefs, and feelings about events. We've lost our ability. You used to be able to write the editor and that was a big thing. Now we see Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, thumb wars, and you know, you got all of this and we try to get a an alternate YouTube that doesn't censor and then that gets taken down. It's a constant struggle for individuals to express themselves in a way that gets their point across. So because it is far more beneficial for your mental health and everybody's mental health around you if you don't go down this rabbit hole of deciding to become triggered because somebody said something and the deciding it is your duty to jump on whatever social media platform and educate the other person as to how wrong they are and how their viewpoints are misguided. It's like accusing somebody of being a racist nowadays. It essentially means in today's society, if you disagree with me, you must be a racist because I'm the only person who can decide what's right. And it doesn't matter what platform you're speaking on we're getting and evolving to the point where I'm right and everybody else is wrong. And they're wrong because they're a racist or they're wrong because they're Islamophobic or they're wrong just because they're a white Anglo-Saxon male. It's unfortunate. So we live in this very combative environment, but it's healthy for a human being to be able to reach out and say what they need to say to the world. So how do you go about doing that? How do you go about doing that and feeling rewarded? Now, I'll tell you this. I went through this for a year and a half with a shrink trying to figure all of this out. And you know what the great answer to it is? This podcast. No, you don't have to listen to me to feel better. The point is, is that to find a medium through which you can provide an answer. So I don't jump on Twitter very often and get into a Twitter war. I've disown Facebook and I have nothing to do with that slime worthy thing anymore. I like Instagram because I throw pictures up there and and there's some cool pictures going on. But the point being is is that how do you have that engagement? How do you get something off your chest and put your position forward so people have an opportunity to listen, respond or otherwise? Because now it's just yelling. Everybody's just yelling at each other on Twitter you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You can't even type out a response. People just vilify you. I put something on LinkedIn on a, on a blog I did on my business website. I, I put it up on LinkedIn and it was about social media and free speech. And, and one individual decided to become triggered and they just went down this massive rabbit hole. Till the end, all I could do was click celebrate and clap at their comments because there was nothing else that, it, that anybody could do to help them. They were lost and and don't become that person. So before you go down that rabbit hole, think about what do you think about the content of this and not how somebody say, but the, the, the discussion, the point, what do you think about it? And does commenting work? Is the individual you're about to comment against likely to accept this commentary or is likely to reject it and take it an escalation? And then ask yourself, why do you need to comment? Why, why do you need to engage this individual with the thought? There's a difference between telling somebody you disagree and offering your opinion. 
And here I am to offer you what I do in response. So major issues that affect me and the world that I have a piece of work that I would like to comment, I create a blog. I have a blog. I don't have many blog followers. Uh, it's on my website, preparednesslabs.ca, if you want to go on there. And I don't do them every week or every two weeks. It's when something matters to me and I want to put my thoughts out. It comes out to a one or two minute read. I try to keep it fairly succinct. But the idea is I put my thoughts down in paper and I leave them there and I turn comments on. And then it's basically my place to say, hey, in the calmness of my world, I'm going to put together my thoughts. So if you have thoughts on climate change, if you have thoughts on Black Lives Matter, if you have thoughts on Islamophobia, if you have thoughts on economic recovery, vaccines, etc., this can explode around the world. Or you can take the time to put together your thoughts. Remember, facts are what they are. You can't disagree with them. What you can do is talk about what they mean and how they influence human lives. And I'll go back to my initial discussion on the fact that the earth is warming. You can't argue with me on that. That's a fact. Now, we can discuss whether human contribution since the Industrial Revolution about the mid-1850s, 1860s, increasing carbon content and greenhouse gas content in the atmosphere is causing an acceleration of climate change? We could debate that. But the climate is changing. And the evidence from the IPCC, which is the International Panel on Climate Change, which is the United Nations preeminent organization that produces documentation and position papers, they, all their evidence shows that 10,000 years ago, the earth warmed. 10,000 years ago after that, the earth, or before that, the earth cooled. It goes through cycles. The earth normally does this. The argument that the IPCC is putting forward is, is that human are influencing that and accelerating at a rate greater than nature intended. Now, we can debate that. Let's have that discussion. But we don't dive into the debate whether the earth is warming or not because it is, and it's a fact, and you can't argue it. We've got 10,000 years of evidence to prove. The point is, is how. And then what we do about it is an even greater discussion I think we should all be involved in. But this is about having your thoughts out there and navigating the informations out there. So if your contention is with shutting down fossil fuels related because you don't believe that it has that much effect on climate change, then you need to put together your thoughts in a logical manner and be able to put them out in a short piece of prose that says to the world, I, individual X of seven and a half billion people on this earth, believe this to be true based upon my own personal experiences analysis of the known facts. And you put it out there. And that's what I do on my blog. And I invite commentary. I've had people call out and say some pretty incredible things about my blog, which is fine because I believe in stoicism. That's capital S stoicism, not small s stoicism, in that I choose to decide not to be triggered. 
right? I'm in control of my emotions. I don't get triggered. Uh, I don't go flying off on a handle when people disagree with me. People call me names. Have a, You can do that all day till Sunday. It doesn't bother me a bit. I'm in control of my emotions. Some other people out there decide to get triggered at almost everything and they go crazy. And they're very difficult to engage in a discussion. So understand that when you face all of this information out there, your primary job is to understand the position, the lens, the focus through which the author is providing you this, be it an article, be it a YouTube, be it a news broadcast, be it a prepper channel, whatever it is, when they're providing you this, understand their position that they're in, their benefits they may gain from it. Look at what they're not saying to understand the true message that comes across. And then when you feel compelled to engage the world, you are far better off for your own mental health and for those around you to just let it slide, let it go, give it a celebrate, a wave, a like, a sad and angry face, whatever, emoji the crap out of it and carry on with your life. And then if it burns in your belly 20 minutes later, sit down and put a position together I feel this way. I think this is true. If you want an example, go look at the blogs on my on my channel, on my webpage at preparednesslabs.ca. Have a look at those. Comment on them if you want to. I, I don't get paid. There's no revenue on the page. There's nothing about what I do that actually funds anything. Um, I just do this because I want a way to get information out that I think is exceptionally helpful to people. Uh, maybe there's somebody out there and there have been a few who have reached out to me that that have made good decisions in their lives based upon information that I've provided or that an idea I threw out kind of sat with them and they went and they read a lot more and, and learned a lot more about it. Either way, the point is, is that in today's world of 100 miles an hour, 1,000 different pages, information thrown at you every minute, it's exceptionally difficult to figure out what is true, what is not true, and then what you have to do about that. So hopefully today was a little helpful for you, maybe a bit of rant on my part, whatever that may be. Thanks again to all of my followers. If you have comments, leave them. Thanks for joining us on Inside My Canoe Head. And I am off on the first camping trip of this year. Thanks to our local subnational government in Ontario, they have opened up Crown Land, which is public land here in Canada, for overnight camping. So as of tomorrow night, myself and a bunch of fellas, we're going to pile stuff into some trucks and take our ATVs and we're headed out to the backcountry for four days and three nights of getting up to stuff that we would not want filmed. Let's just put it that way. So have yourself a great week. Uh, stay safe, wear a mask, get your vaccine and make sure you take care of each other. Go greet your neighbors, shake their hands. Social capital is the best emergency kit in the world. Take care and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.